by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. How is everybody? Good. Nice, hot, humid day out there. It didn't feel that bad today, I guess. Well, I'm glad to be back. Uh, those of y'all that have had the opportunity when I've been here, uh, when Pastor Guy actually asked me to do this, I didn't realize he would be out of town. How is everybody? Good. Nice, hot, humid day out there. It didn't feel that bad today, I guess. Well, I'm glad to be back. Uh, those of y'all that have had the opportunity when I've been here, uh, when Pastor Guy actually asked me to do this, I didn't realize he would be out of town. And then when he told me that, I was like, man, I'm moving on up. That's kind of, he trusts me with y'all. So uh, if y'all report anything back to him, uh, you know, I'm just going to tell him what's true. So we're going to have a good time tonight. Um, in this time, in this days, I have been asked um, by the Lord, um, Father in heaven, in the Holy Spirit to teach. Uh, I'm not much of a preacher. I was telling somebody just a minute ago, I, I see a lot of people, people preaching these days, and they're really, really good at it. Uh, but that's not what he's asked me to do. He's asked me to teach his word. Uh, he wants to elaborate on some things in these days that I think that have not been talked about in a long time. Uh, before I even say anything else, why he has chosen me, I don't know. And I don't care. I'm just honored and privileged that he actually gives me the opportunity, the gift, uh, he has gifted me. Uh, I'm walking in it, thriving in it, uh, growing in it each and every day. Uh, and I'm glad to be here to be able to talk to you tonight because the subject uh, is a subject that the world is so lost in right now, but unfortunately so is the church. This is actually my third time to teach on this subject in this church. So I, I want you to recognize the Holy Spirit has something to say to this particular body. We already know what's happened in this body, those of y'all that's been here for a long time, and it's in a rebuilding process, and I'm telling you right now, there's amazing things about to come. Those of y'all that remain faithful to this particular ministry uh, and are willing to adhere to the teachings and the preachings that are coming from this pulpit, because I can see what Pastor Guy is headed. I can see that he knows his stuff, but he loves y'all. And he loves y'all enough to teach and preach on some of the subjects that some people will not because they're fearful of men. They're fearful of mankind. Uh, and that's why it's an honor and privilege to come in here because this is my fifth time. But again, he wanted me to talk on love. I can't answer it. Y'all are the only people I've ever got to talk on love before. So, yay. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I preach at Teen Challenge. I've been there for a year and a half. And I, he's never asked me uh, to teach on love. But when he showed me this, it was beautiful because uh, it's a scripture that I think even the world knows. And this is what he based the teaching on. I didn't know how I was going to go about it because I'm like, oh man, now he's throwing splitters at me. It's way beyond curveballs. Now he's throwing me splitters, you know, and I'm like, I, I don't know how to attack this. As a matter of fact, I didn't know how I was going to attack this in the manner he wanted me to uh, until this actual afternoon. So where we're going to get started is in Matthew chapter 22. I believe everybody knows this scripture uh, and this basis of scripture, but I'm going to show you something and I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to preach at you. 
Uh, even if it sounds like maybe I say something that, 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 that brings something about in you, I want you to recognize immediately that's the Holy Spirit. That is not me. I'm only being obedient. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one that brings about conviction, and He's also the one that convinces. I tried convicting and convincing for a minute or two, and I felt miserable until I realized it, it, it wasn't my job and that I'm not supposed to do that. And if I would just let Him do it and I'd just be obedient what He asked me to do, He'll, he'll take care of the rest. So in Matthew 22, 37-39, I believe everybody uh, knows this is extremely powerful part of the, the Gospel. And, and when Jesus said it, and it's, it's recorded throughout the whole entire Bible. Uh, but it says that, And He replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, which is all your intellect. 38, this is the great, the most important principle and first commandment. And in 39, he says, and second is like it. Before I even read the next part, the word like actually means equivalent to the same as in the same authority. He is not telling you in this context that you should love the next one more than you should love God. That's not what he's telling you. And this is how I'm actually going to teach you on this subject. Because secondly, he says, which is alike, and the word in the Greek actually means equivalent to the same as in the same authority. And this word in this definition it actually means the authoritative figure. He says, you shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. When I seen this, I had never seen it. When the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, it's like, how could it have been in front of my face the whole time? Has anybody ever paid attention to the aspect of yourself? Has anybody even... I hear preachers teaching all the time about loving your neighbor. And they talk about going into communities that people don't know who they are. I'm not saying they're not your neighbor. That word neighbor actually means who you have close relationships with on a regular basis. Actually, that word is referring to your brothers and sisters in the church before it's referring to your next door neighbor in your community. Now, I want y'all to understand that because what is he saying in this context? You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. But, but I, I, I've not heard many people talk about yourself. I know that this is what he's saying in this context. When you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you know who your father is because he's a good, good father, and you have an intimate relationship with him, he is love. It's called agape love. So when you have this personal, intimate relationship with Father God, and you're in His face every day and you're spending time with Him and things like that, that love starts to take effect in your life. And then you begin to know who you are as a child of God. As you begin to know who you are and you fall in love with God, that love shed abroad in your heart starts to go towards other people. Too many people say, well, I'm going to love them in the same manner I already love myself, in the flesh, that is. Well, that's what's wrong with the world right now. Everybody thinks that this love aspect that the Bible is talking about is this finite love that um, I have to treat them in the manner that I want to be treated as far as I don't want to bring anybody's attention that they're doing something wrong in the church. I heard Francis Chan said this and it's extremely powerful. He said, then why in the Bible does it say all over but in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that we as the church are responsible for judging each other and leave the outside world to God? That's love. As a matter of fact, Paul says that if anybody lives in particular manners, and I want you all to go read that one for yourself because there's a lot of different sinful natures in that particular chapter. But it says you're not able to associate with them. Not even as far as to eat with them. Now back then, eating with somebody was a sign of respect. A sign of dignity to say, 
I, you know, I, I actually want you to be involved in my life in some manner, so I'm going to eat with you to get to know you. Paul says if anybody claims to be a believer, a Christian, and lives in particular lifestyles that you're not even supposed to be friends with, that's agape love. But why is that? Because it's on the Holy Spirit to convict them, to come to repentance, but if you're spending time with him, he can't do his job because you're not obeying the Word of God. So now we get to this aspect of who we are, which y'all already understand that's part of my ministry is your identity in Christ, who you are as a child of God. So when he showed me this, I was just thinking, man, this, this, is, this is pretty pretty awesome, to be honest with you. Because not only do I get to show them who they are in an aspect, but how this love is supposed to affect other people. And this is where it gets really good. Go over to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14. And I just want to pinpoint something real quick. And the good thing about this teaching is, is how he showed me to do this. I get to show you two aspects of this. One not to do, and one we should be doing. And I want y'all to know right off the bat, before I teach anything else from this moment on, I'm only doing this because I do love you. Because I got to be obedient in what he asked me to be obedient in, because I'm responsible. I have to answer. If he gives me a message to teach, if he gives me something to say to somebody and I don't do it, I got to be accountable. So... Even though I'm not your pastor, he asked me to teach you on this subject. So if I said, well, they probably don't want to hear this. And I'm going to teach on this. And I, I like the aspect of faith. You know, let's talk about some tithing or, you know, something like that. I'm going to answer for that one day. And I'm just not going to do that. So, um, and we all understand that it's faith, hope, and love. And love is the most important of all. And the Holy Spirit wants to say something to the body of Christ in this time and this day uh, about how we're walking in our love walk. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it says, everything, let everything you do be done in love. True love to God and man is inspired by God's love for us. Almost exactly what I just told y'all that, that he was saying in that context about loving your neighbor as you do yourself. Actually, he almost entitled the whole aspect right there in that one scripture. And I know that's the Amplified, but the Amplified is the King James just Amplified up. They just give you a little poof on the subject. But it says, let everything you do be done in love. True love to God and to man. Let all your things be done with charity, which the word charity actually means love. But in the King James, it's saying let all the things you do be done in this agape love. So now I want to show you 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3. And before we even get into this, I want you all to understand uh, I am not an end of the time days, guys. Like, I'm not all for this. It's coming doomsday and get a bunker and hide out and... You know, what are we going to do and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I like how a couple of uh, people have said it recently. I, I really like to listen to Francis Chan and Bill Winston and a few others that are really trusted uh, ministers and stuff like that. And they, they clearly stay, um, they're comfortable in who they are. They know who they are. And these days are bad. I'm not going to sit up and tell you it's not. It's getting worse and worse every day. And that's one of the things we're about to talk about real quick. But in this relationship with God, knowing who you are and where you're going and what the church has in store in these next last days and all these beautiful things uh, will, will cause you to be able to walk in this agape love in a manner you've never been able to because nothing will be able to affect you that's going on in the outside world. People ask me all the time, are you scared of this? You know, I'm not. Are you worried about what's happening with all the, you know, y'all know about you won't get into politics and stuff like that, but all the stuff that's going on and stuff, and I keep having to tell them my eyes are fixed on Christ. My eyes are fixed on the cross of Christ. My love is, is to the Father. I mean, do I care? You better believe I care. And I'm constantly praying. But am I going to focus on it? Because once I do, I take my eyes off Jesus. And I have to make a choice just like every one of you to fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. 
And when you give anything leadway that takes your eyes off of him, it's going to take you in a direction you don't want to go, and I promise you that. So Paul is teaching Timothy in this aspect. Now, Timothy is uh, uh, Paul's spiritual son. Uh, he's an evangelist, and, and Paul is warning him of some things to come. And the way Paul throws it out there is it's, it's, uh, it's real. And we're going to get real real quick because I want to show you something. You're going to see something that probably goes on with people that you know on a daily basis. But he is telling Timothy. He says, but understand this, that in the, the last days, go back to verse 1, if you got verse 1. But understand this, and, and this is bold letter here, that in the last days will come set in perilous times and great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self. Before I keep going on, I wanted to show you all this because when it says love your, love your neighbors as you love yourself, we're not talking about you being a lover of yourself. And the reason I wanted to show you all this is because Paul was showing him the same as that aspect of what happened in these days. So many people say, well, if I love my neighbor as myself, and this is how I love myself. So, but that's not what the Word of God is teaching by any means. And Paul opens a door here to Timothy to show him how people are going to look in, in the last days. And it, it'll kind of open up something for you to say that we're, we're possibly in this, this time to an extent. But he says the people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. i got to throw this out there, but we live in a country where everybody gets the right to uh, create a page on their self and a shrine for themselves, and, and their opinions have to matter. And I know some of y'all that are, and y'all's no, older than me, I ain't going to throw ages out there or nothing like that, but y'all remember back in y'all's days, your people's opinions, it just really wasn't much of my opinion counts and, and stuff like that, you know I mean? Y'all didn't really get that much say so. Y'all had to like do the marches and the pieces and the you know the Vietnam times and stuff like that where a lot of people's voices wasn't even heard. And now everybody thinks that their opinion matters. Everybody. They got and I have a Facebook page, so I'm, I'm to blame just as everybody else. And I'm I'm praying about deleting that thing. But you gotta look at it, man. People everywhere, they they, they make a shrine to themselves on Facebook. And they say, This is what I think about everything. And then they, when they get a like. They get all giggling and jiggling. They're like, people like me. This is how we're loving people these days, by liking somebody's Facebook post, you know. Uh, that's sad. That, that really is. We're a sad and pathetic country as well. We are. So he's saying, that in these last days, they'll become lovers of self and self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth, proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, which means blasphemous and scoffers, Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection. They will be callous and inhuman, relentless, emitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderous, false accusers, troublemakers, uh, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, and uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of deity, which means uh, they, they, they present to be like God, true religion, not the genes either. We're talking about a relationship with God. These are going to be people uh, that are on pulpits and ministers and stuff. They deny and reject and are strangers to the power of of the Holy Spirit. That's basically what he said right there. The power of it, the power of their identity, 
the power of God in their life, their conduct uh, belies the genuinely or genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people, turn away from them. Now you can go to the next verse, but I want to hit on something real quick. Paul is not talking about the world at all. He's talking about the church. These are going to be people that have self-proclaimed to be godly. These are going to be people that have been in the church for a long time. They're called chaff. And they're being constantly weeded out. But Paul's not talking about the world. Paul's concern wasn't the world. Paul's concern was the church. But he's actually talking about people in the church in these last days will be these things. Now we look at some of these things and we're like, man, that's, that's heinous. But then you got this one up there that says disobedient to parents. And we live in a society where we say it's not their fault. We say, every kid does it. Some of y'all work in child's ministry back there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of them don't. Man, they got a rough time. It's not the kids. We love our kids and stuff like that. But we live in a society where if they're disobedient to their parents, or you know, we, we have friends that are like this and stuff, they say, oh, they'll, they'll grow out of it. If they're just being children. Honor that father and mother. It's right here in the Word of God. The question is, do we stand on the Word of God or not? Do we believe this? Because you want to get to know Father God. And you want to get to know Him on an intimate level so you can know who you are, so you can love yourself in the manner that He loves you. Not in the way that you already love yourself, because that's what actually needs to go. That's a part of the sinful nature. But the way the Father loves you, and He made this ultimate sacrifice for you by His Son, Jesus Christ, that we're all undeserving of. Every last one of us. And He shed His blood for all mankind. So any man that believeth in Christ can come and be saved and be a child of the one true king. And it's not just for particular people. It's for all mankind. Now we understand everybody's not going to, to jump on that boat, but the ones that want to, they need to know who they are. And they need to know that this Bible is their father speaking to them. You want to know him, get his word. You want to know what his rules and regulations and his lifestyles and his dictates and everything else and his love is like. People say, well, I believe in an all-loving God that he, he ain't going to send nobody to hell. Have you even read this book? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, these people, they, they, they want to say he's an all-loving God. He can't have wrath. When wrath is a part of his attribute and his characteristic of who he is. But they don't want to know the truth about it. They, they, they say, but he's an all-loving God. How could he do this? Because he loves you. That's the truth of the matter. You know, he, he, in the Old Testament, he opened up the ground and swallowed whole people. You know, I don't know if a lot of people have read the book of Revelations, but they say, oh, well, now we're in the New Testament, and he kind of calms down a little bit. <laughs> man, if that's calm in Revelations, man, we, we, you know, it's some serious stuff. But what I want you to understand, and the reason I'm showing you this in 2 Timothy, is this is the body of Christ. This is the church Paul is talking about. He, he has no business messing with the outside world. He's the one that teaches us that God will judge the outside world. We need to be accountable for the church and we need to judge each other accordingly. Now, I don't mean throwing slanderous judges out there about all your brothers and sisters, but if something is revealed to you and the Holy Spirit wants you to deal with something uh, of a brother or sister in the church and you know it's something they might be dealing with and you don't confront them about it, it's because you might not love them the way that you love yourself. Because if you loved yourself the way that God does and you were dealing with that, you would want somebody to be there for you and to call you out. Me? I know I would. I got men around me all the time to call me out all the time. I'm like, thank you. You put me in my place. That's what we need more in the church. So Paul goes on to say, for among them are those who worm their way into homes 
and captivate silly and weak natured and spiritual women loaded down with the burdens of their sins and easily swayed and led away by various evils, desires, and seductive impulses. Now, we don't have to keep going on on this, but these are these same men that he's talking about from the church. That in these last days, there will be these kind of people where they actually uh, will, will, will go and, and, and take effect of women that are loaded down with the burden of sins and, and, and they they got evil and desires and seductive impulses all around them and they will take advantage of them. That's, that's what we're looking at these days. And Paul is warning us. He's like, we, we have to be aware of this because we're going to have to, the church is going to have to become who the church has been called to be. And I'm going to show you all here in a minute some beautiful aspects of the church in the last days that will really open your spiritual eyes to say, I kind of want to get on this boat. Because what I'm going to show you in the end of the whole big picture is a gorgeous, 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 gorgeous thing. It's all beautiful as it is, but I think a lot of people have been hurt by this and hurt by that and hurt by a minister or hurt by a particular church or something to that. And they've lost this, this love that shed abroad in their heart a long time ago and they forgot who they were. And we got to get back to that. So right in the Bible, right in the Word of God, Peter gives us a way to live in this Christian love. And I want you all to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And, you know, uh, Peter actually lines us out. When I first discovered this, I was thinking to myself, man, this is going to be powerful one day when I get to use it in a sermon or teaching or whatever it might be. And then when he showed me that I was going to be able to use it in this one, it was an absolutely gorgeous aspect because I'm actually going to do a little school here. Um, I'm actually not just teaching you, but we're actually going to, I'm going to teach you. I mean, if, if you feel like you're in high school, I apologize. No, I don't. But I'm actually going to teach you because this is what Paul, Peter was doing in this chapter. He was showing us a way that if we live our lives according, that we will grow in the agape love, the Christian love. And he actually says it, so I don't have to. When we get to the end of this, he actually says if we... If we live in this manner, we'll never fall away from the things of God. And I know a lot of people have heard about the aspect of falling away, and the church don't want to talk about it these days and stuff, but it's real. And Peter tells us if we live this way, that it's not actually nothing we should even worry about. But Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, special messenger of Jesus Christ, to those who have received, obtained, an equal privilege of like precious faith with ourselves in and through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Verse 2. That's okay. I'm going to keep reading from here and then if she pops it back up. May grace, God's favor and peace, which is perfect, well-being, all necessary, good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears. I know this is in the Amplified, but he's trying to show you something here about favor and, and grace. Uh, and uh, he says, be multiplied to you in the full personal Precious and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Before I read the next one, I want you to understand, and this is an intimate knowledge. This is something nobody can tell you. This is something you must know on your own. This is something that has to be revealed to you and awakened in your heart through this loving relationship. He says, the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, for His divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are to life in godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by and to his own glory and excellence did y'all just see what he just said there i'm going to break it down for you in a little paraphrase here we have been given everything that we need to live a godly lifestyle god's own divine nature has been inherited into our lives 
And then he even tells us, bestowed upon us all things to live a life in godliness through the knowledge of Him. So then he actually shows us here that this divine nature has become part of our life. Life in godliness. And it comes and it starts to take effect in your life through knowing Him. Who called us by and to His own glory and excellence. Knowing Him. Not knowing about Him or of Him or what somebody told you about Him. But by knowing Him. This godly nature that has been bestowed in our lives, this divine power, this divine nature of God Himself, we can live a life of godliness. I know a lot of people are out there preaching you can, but I hadn't found one scripture in the Word of God that, that, that actually says that we can. As a matter of fact, I find a lot that compromise against it and say that that's not true. But just that one scripture alone says that that's absolutely not true. By means of these, He has bestowed on us His precious and exceedingly great promises. So that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, the rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed, and become sharers and partakers of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. And then he labels it out for us. Then he's going to show us right here, going from five down. He's going to actually teach us and show us how we obtain and walk in this divine nature, which is Jesus Christ, the born-again Spirit of God that comes alive in you when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Peter gives us a whole outline, and he says, for this very reason, adding your diligence, employ every effort in exercising your faith. Now, my dad taught on faith the other night, and I want everybody to understand this, but I think it's very important, uh, very important people understand this. I have been given no more faith than any of you. Pastor God has been given no more faith than any of you. My dad has no more faith than any of you. Nobody has been given more faith than anybody. It says that he grants the same measure of faith to every believer. It's on you whether you grow in that faith or not. He, he leaves that one up to you. It's your responsibility whether you choose to grow in it or not. But he, he says that the same measure of faith has been granted to every believer. And he is asking us at this point to take that faith that we have inherited into Christ Jesus and to develop virtue. Now this is where a little bit of the school comes in. I wanted to show you all in the context of what Peter is trying to say because at the end of this, when it all comes together, it's a beautiful thing. And he puts them all in order. He says, your faith to develop virtue. The word virtue in this context. I actually went through the, the Greek's concordance and then I actually tied the word into the actual scripture. Not just giving you abruptly what this word means and it might mean. I actually tied it back into the scripture. The word virtue in this particular scripture actually means a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. It actually means moral goodness. So what does that tell you? He's asking us to work on our morals first. What it is we, we, we had issues with in the past as the sinner and then we became the saint and, and we got this sinful nature that now we're choosing to walk in the Spirit and we're starting to put to death by the power of the Spirit the, the sinful nature, the, the sins that used to control us. But I like how this one guy says, his name is Neil Anderson, he says it's not like just the delete button was hit and everything was just deleted. We have to renew our minds through the Word of God. And we have to start adapting to this and walking in it. And this is what Peter is saying. It's moral goodness. He said, if you start working on your morals first. Everybody knows what morals is. I ain't got to teach you on morals. But if you start applying your faith to develop morals, and I love in the parentheses of the Amplified, it says Christian energy. Christian energy. Christ-like 
energy, energy to have morals. You know, uh, a lot of people know my testimony and stuff like that, but the reason that I've surpassed so many things I used to do and stuff is because I applied my faith in this particular area because my morals used to be demonic and sick and disgusting. And I knew that there was something that had to change because I knew I wouldn't be able to walk down this pathway by holding on to the things that I used to hold on to. But I had to apply my faith into it. And then it says to exercise this virtue that you have developed, knowledge. So you take your faith and you apply your faith into morals. Morals that come from the Word of God. Uh, what Pastor Guy is giving you advice of what you should be doing. The things you shouldn't be doing. What he's telling you, the small things that maybe you're not doing. And I'm just throwing some out there because I'm not your pastor. But, you know, on tithes and offerings. Uh, or, or service in the church. Or being at church on Sundays. And, and, and coming on Wednesdays to support pastor. These are just moral goodnesses that comes with being a Christ follower. I'm not saying uh, that, that they're going to virtuously change everything you do. But they will take effect. And you will start to notice that they take a big effect. I love my service in my church. I mean, in the beginning, it was tough to even walk through the door and sit through a sermon. Now they can't get rid of me. I mean, literally, they gave me the key to the doors now. And I locked the doors on Saturday nights because they can't get rid of me. He just said, man, since you're always here left after staff, we'll just let you lock up. You know? uh, but I, I, I had a hard time even walking through a door at first or even sitting in the sermon uh, because I didn't have any morals. But then I gained this knowledge. And right here he calls it in intelligence. Uh, but in the Greek, it actually means working knowledge. Because it's from first-hand personal experience. It's moral wisdom. Y'all see how this is falling into place? Such as is seen in right living. None of this stuff in the Word of God is lined out in order for you to make you stumble. It's all for a reason. So he's saying, apply your faith to develop virtue, which is morals. And exercising this virtue, you will gain knowledge which is working knowledge that you have obtained through these morals, that is moral wisdom. So now you have some understanding of the morals that you've been practicing. The Bible actually talks about practice. It actually says practice. These are things we need to start practicing. I know everybody knows AI talking about, you know, uh, practice. What we practice? What are you talking about? Some practice. You know, we need to be practicing. This is something we need to be doing. And then he actually goes on to tell us. It just keeps going. He says, an exercise in knowledge to develop self-control. Now, this is one of my favorites because a lot of y'all that's been in the church for a minute or two, y'all are seeing this somewhere else right now. It's, for some reason, it's, it's hitting you. It's like, man, where have I heard some of these aspects? It's called fruits of the Spirit. Paul teaches us about this over and over and over. But Peter teaches us in a way that if we walk in this and, and actually apply it in this particular manner, because as you see, he's leading it in to say, if you exercise this, into this, into this, and into this, you keep gaining and building on top of the word self-control actually means the dominion within proceeding from without because it's not oneself. Spirit control. Walking by the Spirit. This is powerful because I know a lot of people think, man, I can't control myself. Trust me, I couldn't eat. And I wouldn't be up here if that was the case. If God says, I need you to have self-control on yourself and that's how I want you to live your Christian life, I would probably be in prison. Actually, I know I would be. Without question, he knows I would be. Um, I'd be down in the pen right now. You know, without question. Or dead. One of the two. Something like that. Because I was the last person that thought that they could control myself. And this is what's so beautiful. It takes so much pressure off of you. This is the Holy Spirit controlling you from the inside out. The Spirit of Christ controlling you from the inside out. So he's saying, 
faith into virtue, virtue into knowledge, knowledge into self-control, and then what develops after self-control? When, when he begins to, to penetrate you and control you from, from the uh, inside out, then this is where the steadfastness comes in. I know y'all have heard some old, old heads talk about steadfastness. You know, I'm steadfast. You know, I, oh man, I'm, I'm steady. I didn't know what it meant for a while. I'm like, man, what is this steadfast? My dad kept saying, you just stay steadfast. You know, and I, I, I really didn't even understand it at the moment, but it sounded good. I'm like, yeah. So the word steadfastness, it means to remain, to endure. Remaining under endurance as God enabled you to remain under the challenges He allots in life. Man, ain't this going somewhere really good? Because Peter's giving us a, a line out here and it's a school and effort. And like, man, are you serious? So if I take my faith and I apply it in the virtue and I start straightening up my morals a little bit, I'll gain some wisdom in that aspect. And then all of a sudden, I'll be able to have some self-control because I'm giving the Holy Spirit lead way to lead me into new things. And then the next thing you know, I'm steadfast. I'm remaining in. He says, those that remain in me, I will remain in you. Abide in me. Remain in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's powerful. Because we all have to remain. And this is what the Word means. And then it goes on where it actually says that from this, from the steadfastness, that will gain godliness. Piety. Or piety. I can't say that word. It's probably piety. But I'm going to go with godliness. So when the steadfastness comes about, we begin to remain and endure because God has enabled us through this spiritual aspect of self-control that we start to remain under the challenges that He's a lot in life. I don't know about y'all, but man, I go through them all the time. You know, my pastor taught me really early on about storms. <laughs> he said, you're either coming out of one, walking into one and don't know it, or you're in one right now and you just don't know it. And I'm going to tell you, man, people, you know, they, they, they think that somebody's, you know, like my pastor or pastor guy or, or, or really anybody that, that is really striving for the things of God, that they, you know, that they got it good. I'm going to tell you something. That's not true. I go through the same thing everybody does. Bill knows something. I'm not going to share on the pulpit right now, but that happened Friday, you know, and stuff like that. I go through storms just like everybody else. And I'm steadfast, though, because I chose to live in this manner and I gained this aspect. You couldn't move me if you wanted to because I'm going to choose to carry my cross each and every day. The persecutions that come with it, bring it on. I had a buddy tell me yesterday, he said, count it all joy to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Man, I just couldn't... I got so giggly and jiggly and everything else because I'm being persecuted right now. And I, I was just talking to him about a situation. He said, Dang, Dang, count it all joy. I said, Whoa, man, that's what I'm talking about. I don't ever know what's coming next. But that joy, I know I, I was here when he taught us some joy now. That joy. So in this godliness, it's someone's inner response to the things of God, which shows itself in a godly reverence. A godly heart response naturally expresses itself in a reverence for God. Now, we've heard this throughout the history of churches. If you've even been going to church for a few years, reverent fear brings about everything. It says, fear the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Follow the Lord your God. In the book of Proverbs, man, I'm on my second time in the book of Proverbs. And it says, without reverent fear, you get no wisdom. You get no understanding. You get no knowledge. So he has given us a lifeline here to lie out. And he says when we get to that point of godliness, it's an inner response to the things of God. We have developed a reverent fear unto the Lord. 
through this lifestyle. Because reverend fear, I'm telling you, will take you places you won't believe, man. You'll be like, well, I know it's my calling, but I don't feel comfortable doing it. And you'll get that reverent fear and you'll say, man, what's your name? I, I don't matter none to me. This is what I've been called to do and I'm excited to be able to do it. And you'll go places that you didn't even know. I mean, I, I'll give you all a small example and I don't want to talk too long because I've got a few other scriptures to tell you. But I, on August the 5th, on a Friday night, this black church that I'm involved with, Pastor Terrell Monger, one of my really, really good friends, we did an Insta Jam concert last year and I'm the only white preacher in the place. As a matter of fact, the only preacher. It's all the Christian rap artists in Memphis and all the, the church, or his church, actually. We had about four or 500 people show up last year. He gave me the opportunity to get on the pulpit and preach for about 15 minutes. And he texted me the other day. He said, I said, have you figured out what we're doing this year? And he says, yep, Crystal Palace, Friday night. I mean, dude, I mean, come on now. I mean, how many Christians want to go to Crystal Palace on 3rd Street and bump it out? You know, I'm, I'm excited to go. I mean, that, that neighborhood means the gospel more than any other neighborhood. But it's that reverent fear. Like, people, well, ain't you worried about the gangbangers? No, they better be worried about me. That's, that's the truth of the matter right there. So, so in this godliness, it's this reverent fear unto the Lord. And then all of a sudden, this is where it gets really good, guys. This is where it gets really good. And in exercising brotherly affection. This is what I was telling you. It gets there to the aspect to tell you how your Christian love walks you. If we live in this manner, it says then after the, the godliness, then it says it comes exercising brotherly affection to develop Christian love. Christian love. Loving your neighbor as you do yourself. But see, Peter lines us out of way here to say, this is how you should love yourself with virtue, knowledge, and self-control and steadfastness, godliness into brotherly affection, the church. We gotta start loving each other, guys. We have to start loving each other. And on that note, I want to show you all these last few things because I got a few more minutes. Uh, go to John 17, 13, and I, we're gonna we're gonna go to 13, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read for a minute. I want y'all to listen. I think uh, some people have heard this uh, read before, and I think it's an absolutely beautiful aspect, but. In John 14, 15, 16, and 17, it was Jesus getting ready and prepared to leave his disciples behind. Um, and, you know, this is when he promised them the Holy Spirit and he told them the things to come and he talked to them about the vine and the branch and the remaining in and all these beautiful aspects. And then he prayed for them. And when he prayed for them, uh, there's a lot of things you can take out of this chapter, but, but what I wanted to show you all in this context is in the book of Job, and I'm not. I'm going to paraphrase, but uh, it's it's in uh, Bill Winston. It's one of his one of his favorite ones. It actually says that the the church will become more powerful and more authoritative and more of an effect on this earth than it's ever been before. And it will never be able to take that place that it's going to right now because the world won't be around long enough for it to happen again. Like I was talking about the Book of Acts, whatever. It's awesome. Are you ready for the Book of Now? Because, man, I'm telling you, those that remain, those that are faithful, those that are faithful to Jesus Christ, the ones that, that when He comes are, are, are worshiping Him and they're faithful to His ways and they're living by the Word of God, and, and, and they're going to be the ones that get to rise up. And, and it's so powerful because we know that things are coming. If you don't, it'll hit you before too long. But we know things are coming. But the church, <laughs> the church is going to be in the midst of all of it. We ain't going to get a thing. 
church is going to do some amazing things in this day. You can go through your storms and your trials and, and all this stuff, but the devil can't touch you. You see, he has no power. He has no authority over you unless you give it to him. Unless you believe in his lies and you give him lead way, it says that we have all authority and all power in Christ Jesus over the enemy. And I was going to read it to you, but I'm just going to tell you in Ephesians chapter 1, I really advise you all to read that, actually read the whole book. But in Ephesians, it actually says that we sit at the right hand of Jesus Christ in the spiritual realm. And we've inherited all spiritual blessings. The devil has no right in your life at all. But before you go ham with him and you actually go at him and you say, look, know who you are. Submit to God first. The Bible says submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. It don't say go after the devil and he's going to run off because you're somebody. It says if you submit to God first and then you resist the devil, he will flee. But if you don't know who you are, the devil will take you and he will beat you up. And he don't even have the right to do it, but you don't know who you are. You don't know the authority and the power that you've gained. And in these days, I'm telling you, the church is going to a place. Uh, I heard Francis Chan say today, he said, man, I'm at the most comfortable place in my faith and in the church that I've ever been. He said, man, it looks bad. He said, it looks bad, and I feel better about the church than I ever had in my entire walk with Christ. He'd been a minister most of his life, and he's seen a lot, and he says, man, I can't do nothing but tell you, but I feel more comfortable about the church than I ever had. That tells you a lot about some of these men and women that, that are preaching and teaching. They, 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 they're confident in what's about to happen. In verse 13, I don't know how many I'm going to read, because i got one more after this, but I want to show you all something. It's, and this is Jesus praying to the Father for His disciples. And it says, And now I am coming to you, and I say these things while I am still in the world, so that my joy may be made full and complete and perfect in them, that they may experience my delight fulfilled in them, that my enjoyment may be perfected in them and their souls, that they may be my gladness within them, filling their hearts. Now this is a prayer He's praying to the Father about His disciples, about you and I. I have given and delivered them your word, your message, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. They do not belong to the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you will take them out of the world, but that you will keep them and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, worldly, belonging to the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Purify, consecrate, separate them for yourself. Make them holy by the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And so for their sake and on their behalf, I sanctify, I dedicate, I consecrate myself so that they also may be sanctified, dedicated, and consecrated unto you. Neither for these alone do I pray. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever come to believe in, trust in, cling to, and rely on me through their word and through their teaching. We're going to go through it through a few more scriptures. That they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. You can go to 22, but I want to elaborate on that right there. Did y'all see how powerful that was, guys? Did y'all see how powerful that was? Because, man, I'm telling you, that's powerful. That they all may be one, just as I am in the Father. Man, everybody knows how personal Jesus' relationship was with his Father. It was powerful. 
That's why he was able to do what God had asked him to do. He says, so they all may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That same relationship he's asking for every one of y'all to be in that. Now he says we'll do greater things than him. This is what he was talking about. Because I tell you, any of us get in that relationship where we're in the Father as He is in the Father and we're in Him and He's in us and we're hearing every word from the Father through the Holy Spirit and we're walking in it, we will do greater things than He did. He wasn't bluffing when He said that. He says, and you will do greater things than I. And He wants you to understand it's, it's going to happen. It's not up for debate or for option. And the Word is true. But then He says, and it also may be one in us. He's also talking about you in this equation. And he says, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. That right there is about as powerful it can get as, as he says that when the church, when the body becomes one as he is one with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, that will convince the world that the Father sent him. <laughs> People have been trying to do that for a long time. Man. But he says when this happens, that they would be convinced that you have sent me. This is Jesus's, this is one of his major things here, man. He, he wants the whole world to be saved, and unfortunately, it's not going to happen. It's not that he don't want it, but we just know that, you know, let's, 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 just, let's just do what we can do and, and, and depend on him and stuff. But he's saying that if we can become one with him and the Father, just as he was one with the Father while he was on this earth, that the world may believe and be convinced that the Father even sent him. There's a lot of denominations and religions out there that'll tell you that, you know, uh, you know, Yahweh is, is is God the Father, but Jesus is just the Son, and He ain't Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever the word is you want to use, you know, and, and that you know He was only a prophet and, and all these weird, really odd stuff. And and you know, the the truth of the matter is, you're in the aspect of some teachings uh, these days. Anything you want, you can have. It's okay that you commit adultery. That we'll find you a preacher that'll tell you that. You know, it's okay that that that, uh, that the drugs and the alcohol stay a part of your life. We can find you a preacher that, that will teach you that. You know, basically anything these days you want to hear, somebody will tell you what you want to hear. But that's not what we're in it for. See, we're here to convince the world that the Father sent Jesus to do what He did in the body of Christ by His Word. And that's what we need to be living by. And he goes on to say, I have given to them the glory and honor which you have given to me, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you and me in order that they may become one and perfectly united, that the world may know and definitely recognize that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. That's what he prayed for you and I. That's what he prayed for the church. So now I'm going to show you one more scripture to tie all this into. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. And it's, of course, it's only one, uh, but it, it, it really ties it all up. Um, and, and it really, uh, it's just a beautiful, uh, and I'm reading it in the Amplified, so it might be a little longer than, than usual, but I like the way that the Amplified really, really does these days. It really, uh, it's just the King James, uh, all the same words, but he says, only be sure as citizens. So to conduct yourself that your manner of life will be worthy of the good news, the gospel of Christ, so that whether I do come and see you or am absent, I may hear this of you, that you are standing firm in united spirit and purpose, 
striving side by side and contending with a single mind for the faith of the glad tidings of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. You see how he wants us to be united? It's all about unity. Striving side by side and contending with one mind for the faith of the glad tidings. And he goes, you know, he says here uh, that you are standing firm and united in one spirit and one purpose. We gotta get back to this love, guys. We gotta get back to this agape love. When you know who you are and you're in a loving relationship with the Father, and you begin to live this lifestyle Peter was telling you about, I promise you, it's not gonna be easy. There's been times, man, I've thought to myself, is anything I'm even saying to this person taking any effect? But I prayed for them. And I prayed for them. And when they offended me, I forgave them and I prayed for them. I've done it with so many people so many times. You know, it almost gets to the point it's natural. You know, they do it again. They're like, Father, you know I forgive them because I love them. And I pray for them. And I pray whatever it needs. I need to pray at that moment and stuff. But now I'm starting to see some people come to me and say, never change who you are. Never stop being who you are because you don't know how much you affect my life. You don't know how much I listen to what you say. Now, they might not be applying at the moment. They might not be doing the things that the Lord wants them to do. But they're listening. But it's because I love them so much, I don't want to see anybody have to go down the road and the pathway to hell. And I don't want anybody to have to live in the manner I've lived before. It's all sad. Anybody that lives outside of righteousness and holiness is, is sad. But because I love them so much, I'm willing to lay down my own life as a sacrifice. I'm willing to carry my cross each and every day and say, Lord, I'm laying down my life today as a living sacrifice in order to bring you glory and you honor. If there's anything I can say to somebody today that, 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 that might strike something in them to to want to repent, then give me the word. Man, there's some things I've told some people I ain't going to lie to you, man. Uh, they, the world would think that I hated them. But I loved them so much that they needed to hear what I had to say. I'll give you a small example because I know we, we, we need to be closing. But I got my next door neighbor. I don't know him very well. He's only been there for just a little while. I really hadn't gotten the opportunity to know him much. He started working at the new Walmart in Horn Lake. Uh, and, you know, we get along because he's got a ride on some rims, and I got some ride on some rims, you know, and, and we just kind of got that connection. He's, a, he's an older gentleman. He's got a wife and kids and stuff like that, but he wears a chain, I wear a chain. You know, we, we kind of have a few things in common. And I've been trying to build this relationship with him, but I wasn't able to until finally his mom was over there one day. And I didn't even get to meet her or nothing. I was building a fence, and my dog had got out. It was a Saturday night. Uh, you know, and, and just some, well, there was a dog in the neighborhood that was out. I came home later, my dog was out. But I'm out trying to get this dog, and his mom pulled up, and uh, she heard me uh, listen to some Christian music and stuff like that. And I got this really good sense about this lady. I knew she was a sister in Christ. And, you know, she talked to me for a minute, and I told her I had to get ready to go to church and stuff like that. And I'd just been waiting for that opportunity to talk to this gentleman. But I didn't know when it was because, see, a lot of times when you create an opportunity, a lot of times you don't mess it up. Trust me, I've done that more than, 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 than the good stuff. There have been multiple times. I was like, man, I'm going to create this, this open opportunity to say what it is I want to say. Now, God knew where my heart was at. And he, he, he probably restored what I probably would have truly messed up in a heartbeat. But, but he knew where my heart was at. But this gentleman was at his uh, mailbox about a week or two ago. He had just had a heart attack a few months ago. He, he got this job at Walmart. And on the job, before they even opened the door, his heart gave out. And I think he said he's 43 years old, smoking and drinking, will do this stuff to you. And he's out of his mailbox, trying to talk to him. And this is one of the first times he ever stopped in my driveway and gave me the opportunity to speak to him. And I told him I really enjoyed talking to his mama. And he said, yeah, she's an evangelist. 
And I was just like, I knew it. You know, and he, he started talking and stuff. And it, it really gave me a, a really gladness because the man knew some stuff that even people in the church don't know. And I just got to talking to him. And I, I love when these opportunities happen because I can't tell you everything that was said. Because when the Spirit's using you, you probably don't need to know what everything's said. But I, I got really bold with this man. He's probably twice my size. You know, he's a pretty big fella. But I, I don't care. I fear you. I fear God. And he's standing there. And uh, he says, yeah, my heart's at 27%. Uh, you know, don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, my mom's devastated and stuff. I said, you know, she's really been praying for you. She's really been praying you into the kingdom. And he just kind of looked at me and I said, you know you need to repent. And he just looked at me and I said, but I promise you this one thing. The Holy Spirit wants you to know this. You come to him in repentance. He'll not only give you a new heart spiritually, <laughs> Father God wants to give you a new heart naturally. And it opened the door to talk to this man where I'm sitting there talking to him and I'm sharing the gospel with him and stuff. And, and we're talking about salvation and stuff. And he said, well, one thing my mama taught me a long time ago is if you ain't saved, don't claim to be saved. He said, I don't tell nobody I'm saved because I don't live the lifestyle. You know, we got people in the church that don't understand that stuff. And he looked right at me and I said, I'm going to be praying for you and I love you. And I, I want you to, you know, but whatever was said in that moment, I don't remember, but I had waited for that moment for months. And I didn't try to create it. And the Holy Spirit's going to do something for that man's life. I truly believe that he's going to be healed and he's going to do whatever God has called him to do. That's my hope for this man. And I still pray for him. And I'm hoping one day I'm about to go give him a gospel gangster CD. He's, he's, um, he, he, I said, man, you like some rap? He's like, I don't listen to this rap no more. I said, no, I got some good Christian rap. He said, bro, I'm old school. I said, oh, I got some old school for you. I said, my boy Bill, he's old school too. Um, but it's just that aspect. See, I, 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 I love God, and therefore I know who I am, and I love myself, and I'm able to love these other people. My little brother's sitting right there, and he'll tell you, man, I used to be the most hateful, hateful and disgusting human being on the face of the planet. More or less, hate you. I, I despised you. I hated everything about you. I talked trash about you. I put you under, and then I'd beat you under. Not only would I put you under, I'd beat you. You know, I hated people. And now this love that the chef brought in my heart has changed me on the aspect. I don't care what your name is, or your smell, or your hair looks bad, or you can't afford good clothes, or whatever it might be. However I can love you, however I can penetrate some access to be able to talk to you about Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to give every attempt I can. So that's really all about I got tonight. I wanted to show to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.